Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 108 of Manage the Wild. I'm Nick Madsen. One of the challenges that I have with doing a podcast is this is not natural for me to do. To be able to take information and present a story. And so as I go along from episode to episode, I'm trying new things, trying different things. So if you don't like one episode, wait for another one until I come up with a format that I absolutely enjoy. Now, the part of the podcasting that I do love is constantly learning new information. And it's always fascinating when you come up with something and I can express that and share that with you guys. But currently, I'm not happy with any of the formats that I've done. And so I'm just constantly working on trying new and different ways. One of the other things that I'm going to try and do more of, well, I've been actively, is getting more and more people on the podcast who are involved in wildlife management. One of the challenges you face is a lot of people don't want to come on because they're afraid of uh, inviting more controversy into their life than they already have. And so when I do these podcasts, it's mostly going to be focusing on why and how we're, we're managing those uh, those animals and the need for it and why certain policies are in place and things we can learn. And so I will try and get more people on. Uh, I've got some lined up that they're coming in the future. Hopefully, uh, as this podcast grows, my format gets better. People like my content more that we can do those things. All right. Today's topic is sexual segregation. We all know what it is. The difference of me, males and females splitting up, moving into different habitats. But uh, what we don't understand is the why of it. And unfortunately, at the end of this podcast, we're still not going to know the complete why of it. The problem that we have is males and females split up, but once they are studied during that splitting up period of time, they then when they are studied, are still doing the same things that when they are not segregating. For mule deer, the highest point of segregation is between the end of May, obviously, when the females are dropping their fawns, but from the end of May through September, that's the highest point of sexual segregation. Researchers started studying them and thinking that it was a societal thing. Once they started to look at the way their social interactions were shaped, they realized that it's not necessarily just social. They started to realize that there was mixed groups. And one that found themselves segregated one day would be back in a group the next day. And then they started to look at their foraging. And they were foraging on the same things that they would forage on if they were in a group versus as a single and so social segregation didn't completely explain all the reasons. Now, the females were obviously segregating themselves from the group when they were dropping their fawns. But after that, they would sometimes find themselves segregated, sometimes find themselves alone. So then they realized, okay, then if it's not completely social, then we're going to have to look at the physical aspect. And they started looking at the physical aspect. One of the challenges that they face is identifying all those traits that could be a reason why they would sexually segregate. Mule deer males are 58% larger than females. And so when you're a ruminant, that's important. The larger the rumen, the more low quality feed 
an animal can take in to pull out those nutrients. So you will find this if you look at animals, the larger the rumen, the more low quality feed or habitat they can find themselves in versus the smaller rumens, they need a very, their niche is very small and they need to be very high quality forage. So if you think of Africa and the different types of uh, quality, you've got the little, the little teeny animals, the little teeny ruminants, all the way up to the elephants, and you just look at the different niches that they find themselves in. So they looked at and found this to be the case in Wyoming. While they were looking at these deer, they found males were in largely lower quality habitat areas than the females. And they, during the dry season in Wyoming, they were consuming a lot more browse than the females and it was lower quality forage than what the females were taking in. But in another challenge, but then another challenge you face is you go to a different area and these males were then switched and found themselves in a higher quality area. So body size may not just be the only thing. Another study looked at water consumption. Is sec sexual segregation important? for water consumption because larger animals have a lower respiratory rate which means their metabolism is different and they require less water. So most of your dehydration comes from your respiration. And so they were looking at these large-bodied animals and the larger the body the less water. So they found that does and females does and females, does and fawns and yearlings were more likely to be near the water, especially does that were lactating. So that was a requirement. But then they started to put all these different things together and they realized that there was no single event forcing them to be sexually segregating because males would be found close to water one day or for a period of time, a couple of weeks, and then they would find themselves segregating and then they would go back into groups. And so the challenge that th these researchers faced is identifying the culprit is not just a single event. You're going to have to look at the whole overall impact Often uh, researchers are limited to the different things that they can investigate or research because just the time constraint, the money constraint, putting it all together, or they just may fail to understand. And so the end of this paper, they encouraged, it says, investigators measuring only a single niche access or failing to consider the scale at which seg sexual segregation was measured exacerbate problems in understanding sexual segregation. This is a widespread occurrence among ungulates as well as ruminants. It's, it's widespread. It's known that it happens. But the causes are not completely understand. There, there are some causes out there that they believe they know, but it's not fully understood. And it may never. The challenge that you have with not being able to identify the reasons behind certain things is then when you go forward to manage, you don't know the reasons. And so you may cause 
detriment to one side or the other. If you fail to understand sexual segregation and you're planning for habitat improvements, you may only improve the habitat of males and not females, or you may only take into account females and not males. Also, if their habitat causes them to migrate a different direction because of that sexual segregation and you're planning corridors or different routes for these animals to migrate and you only focus on one, it could lead to the detriment of the other. So sexual segregation is important in wildlife management to understand the movement and the interaction of these animals to better understand how to help their habitat. But because there's so many factors involved and so many different things at play with each area that they are passing through, that this is just an insanely huge challenge to fully understand. Hope that, guys, hope that helps. Have a great day. Stay wild.